0: Members of Congress,
1: the President of the United States.
0: This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged.
1: Welcome to Episode 16 of The Middle Unplugged, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill and less extreme and generally less angry conversation. I am your host, Anthony Weiner, and I will be honest. I had hoped to do a nice, crisp State of the Union podcast. I love me a State of the Union. I love the process. I love the visuals. I love the president walking down the center aisle. And I like the eye rolling during the speech, the organized and disorganized clapping that goes on. I remember. When I was in Congress, I don't remember what year it was, but one year, Nancy Pelosi and John Boehner, no, let's see, who would it have been? It would have been Pelosi and Cheney, maybe. I don't know who it was, but they tried to figure out a way to not stand up at every applause line. They kind of made a handshake agreement among themselves, and it didn't work. They wound up having to stand up just as much as they ever did. I remember that, you know, when shouting first became a thing, like shouting out, basically heckling probably remember this in 2009 a guy named joe wilson of south carolina he shouted you lie to obama i think obama was talking at the time about how his health care proposal would not you know cover the uninsured and this guy yelled you lie it was seen as a big breach of decorum nowadays it seems like that's what basically everyone did by the way joe wilson is probably most famous for that i bet you if you went to his wikipedia page it's what it talks about that clip we played at the top there, that was Nancy Pelosi introducing Donald Trump. And, and that was when honor and privilege was removed from the introduction. It used to be, I, it is my great honor and high privilege or something like that to introduce the president of the United States. He just said, it's the president of the United States. Remember, she tore up his speech or something like that. They did, he didn't shake her hand. It's gotten a little bit more chippy than it used to, I must admit. You know, I love states of the union for lots of reasons. One of uh, maybe I'll, Well, I don't want to tell the story now. I sort of met my wife at the state of the union in 2007. She writes about it in her book. But I do have this major thing I want to talk about, the State of the Union, but I'm not going to do it here. I guess I'll wait till my Saturday show, The Middle, which is also available on podcast. It's Saturday between two and three. And I'll tell that Huma story also. But I wanted to put that aside because I have not had the opportunity to do my full boiling collection of hot takes around Balloon Gate. By this time, frankly, it's already kind of run its course. Maybe it's got a little bit more to do, but but let's just start with this. Let's just assume, and this is, again, I, I, I try not to do hot takes, so I'm going to try to do a thoughtful look at this. You've got to assume that nothing that we're being told about this is on the level completely. You know that normally my footing is that what appears to be the case usually is the case. Occam's razor, the most likely explanation for something is probably the right one. And that we often do this thing, particularly on talk radio and particularly on cable news and on the Internet. We do this thing where we try to take messy facts and we try to create some conspiracy that makes everything tidier. Or a theory that ties everything together. When usually we assume conspiracy when it's just coincidence. That's true of government. But in the case of the military and in the case of spies... Where there's zero real transparency about what's going on, zero real way for citizens to determine what's going on, that might not be the case. I think you should have some healthy skepticism that what you're seeing is actually what's right. Now, fortunately, in this case, there's nothing at stake. (laughs) I mean, let's take the different scenarios. If it's a weather balloon that was blown off track, then I'm sure the Chinese will be able to go out and buy another weather balloon. And I know you're saying this wasn't a weather balloon. Everyone agrees it was a spy balloon. Okay, I don't know why we're so sure it wasn't. If you're telling me there's no such thing as a Chinese weather balloon, and if there is, why is it so hard to imagine that that bad boy got blown off course? Do we have no weather balloons on our side? Is there no laboratory somewhere floating a big weather balloon out there? But okay, I will stipulate to the idea, for the purpose of this conversation, that it was a spy balloon. I think we can, just for the purpose of keeping this thing going, and I imagine that there are spy balloons— And I imagine that there are spy balloons over our head a lot. And I imagine that there are satellites over our head at every moment. And I assume there are spy submarines. Just riffing here, but I assume there are spy apps on our phones. And I'm sure that there's some very, very, very low-level spy listening to this podcast right now in China and Israel and Russia or whoever else. And I assume that we the United States of America, are doing the same exact thing over there. Now, when I was a congressman, did I know that spy dirigibles were a thing? I was a congressman for 12 years. Of course I knew. I had the highest security clearance. Actually, no. I didn't know. And by the way, members of Congress are not told about how we spy on our adversaries. Sure, we have the clearance to maybe find out. But really what it is, it's a gang of eight. It's these high-level members of Congress and people who are on the Intelligence Committee that get these kind of briefings every once in a while. And theoretically, they're told, and then they go tell us. Or at least in some way, they tell us. They let us know. But they really don't. It doesn't work like that. In fact, it's so limited the way information can be shared that... Rag and file members of Congress don't find out basically how big parts of the federal budget are spent. We don't find out about how spying goes on. And you know what? Many of us are blissfully ignorant of such things. But what it does tell you is that when you hear members of Congress talking about this stuff on TV right now, you have to remind yourself that they're talking out of their asses. They don't know anything. (laughs) You know, it could be a bomb. It could be carrying COVID. It makes Biden look weak. It's strategy. We don't know any of this stuff. And members of Congress don't. It's a reminder of the expression we used to have in Congress, that people who know aren't talking and people who are talking don't know. They're basically, they don't know any more than you do. No one really knows this stuff, which is what makes it possible for the military guys to make up stuff in moments like this that you really can't check very well. And so what kind of stuff do they make up? Well, usually stuff that makes them look competent, right? You know, we are hearing now about this balloon. We jammed the signal while it was floating over the United States. So it, you know, we were collecting intel from them about how they collect intel from us. We waited because we wanted to be sure that what they had on board, we didn't fall and detonate on anybody or. Even the way they measured it, it's the length of three school buses. What kind of a freaking measure is – how many school buses something is? The whole thing had an air of, A, we don't really care. We don't really know, but we don't really care to make up any really great stories for you. So I have, using the powers that I have as someone who doesn't work in Congress anymore, someone who I think can extrapolate to somewhat – something of an honest broker here, here's what I have derived is the most likely scenario in all of this. One, that spy balloons are a thing and they fly all over the place, but this time one got too low for some reason to become visible. I don't think this is the first one and I don't think it's the only one. And we've heard, frankly, our side say we've got other ones have been up there. We just haven't told you about it. Two, I'm sure that from time to time, these things fall out of the sky or get noticed, but it never becomes a big deal. This whole thing that Trump, it happened under Trump. By the way, did you see that Trump called it fake disinformation this time? I think he started to figure out when he calls something fake news, that means it's true. (laughs) So now he says fake disinformation, which... If you deconstruct that a little bit, it's a little bit hard to figure out what he's saying. But anyway, I'm sure these things happen. I'm sure that they fall out of the sky from time to time and they're discounted or they're called UFOs or whatever. I'm sure this can't be the first time this kind of thing has happened. Three, that these things, these spy balloons pose no risk in any tangible way to anyone. Pictures from the sky don't strike me. And again, um, just as much in the dark about this stuff as you are, but they don't strike me as the most valuable spying, especially when you're drifting over places like Montana and Idaho and you have a whole bunch of spy satellites up in the air at all times. It doesn't seem like it's terribly valuable. I think one of the reasons why this didn't cause much of a stir when the military first saw it is, but who cares? It's not that big a deal. Another thing that I would say, as I try to take stock of what actually happened here, Is that once it became public to everyone, every step the rest of the way was probably fairly carefully scripted between the U.S. and China. Even so much so that I bet you they probably had a conversation at some high level to say, here's how it's going to go. First, I'm going to postpone my trip. You know, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, was going to go visit with Xi. We're going to postpone that trip. Not forever, just for a day or two. We're going to shoot this bad boy down because we got to show strength. And then here's an important part. You guys have to act outraged at us shooting it down. Because that's important, right? You guys goofed and you had that motto, that kind of slightly apologetic first thing saying it's a spy satellite. We're sorry we went off track. It's kind of a big deal for the Chinese to say anything in the in the realm of sorry or off track or anything. But as this thing gets orchestrated, it's very important for you to act outraged by it, because otherwise it's gonna seem like we didn't do enough. I bet it's all orchestrated. And the one thing I can say is that. For sure, the conclusion I can draw from this is that radio and podcasts and cable TV hosts will have a week of content, including maps and pictures. Well, we on the radio don't have it, but the cable guys will have maps and pictures. And they'll dust off all these retired generals who haven't had much to do. Anyone who's ever written a book about China, get them going. Anyone who's ever written a book about spying or balloons. If you're an expert on debris fields, we want to hear about you because we'll get you out on TV. No harm, no foul. Basically, in the context of this relationship, which is so important, us and China, when we got stuff like Taiwan and incursions in the South China Sea and the Himalayas, that we'll go through all of this hand-wringing, but not much will be at stake. But with that said, I do think that one element of good can come from this, and that is, from time to time... We should be reminded about the assumptions we often make as citizens. We don't know a lot of time what our government is doing in our name in this realm, in the realm of defense and spying and intelligence. Secrets are probably a much bigger part of our government than, they, than we all should probably be comfortable with, put it that way. I did an episode a couple of weeks ago. Where I pointed out that more than 70 million new documents are deemed to be classified each year. New documents on top of what is already classified. Every once in a while when a credit card company or a website gets hacked, we, we all fret about our personal data. Sometimes we'll, someone will write a clever story about how he read the privacy statement on a phone app. You know, and countries, But countries spy on each other. Hundreds of billions of dollars of our taxpayer dollars are spent for that. And it is justified by a near frenzy of insecurity. The PRC, the People's Republic of China, is our enemy du jour, no doubt about it, you know. But we seem to always need one of those to justify these types of expenditures. They animate our military budget, they justify our spy budgets, they rationalize the system that so many classified documents are out there that were they're finding their ways into, you know, garages in Delaware personal homes in indiana golf clubs in florida but i want to ask you the secrets from who are all of these things a spokesman for the state department said the other day you know as he was doing a briefing on this and he said words to the effect of shut up china you know what you did here you know try to look tough yeah they do they know what they did and we do and they know that we know but who is the we in all of this We, the citizens of the United States, are the ones who aren't let in on these so-called secrets. Even as I pointed out, even our representatives aren't let in. When China flies over the United States, what do they see? They got a balloon floating overhead. They see people working and going to school and arguing with each other and buying Chinese goods and raising their kids and playing ball and doing some things we're not crazy about. We're not proud of making pollution fighting racial, along racial lines, whatever. And when we fly over China, what do we see? We see some, all those things, and we also see a million Uyghur Muslims in work camps, and we observe a censored media that maybe, maybe Chinese, can, Chinese citizens can evade. So what's my point? I mean, maybe looking up in the air and seeing that someone is watching us mow our lawns is not the worst thing in the world. Maybe asking questions out loud about who is winning the spy wars isn't the worst conversation in the world. Maybe if we had more transparency about what they are doing and what we are doing, maybe we would have a more mature, responsible, and who knows, maybe even a safer relationship with each other. So if the China wants to see that we have a shit ton of bombs and planes, etc., all right, they can go ahead and send up another big three-bust-length balloon. Lord knows cable TV needs
0: the content. And we'll be right back with Listener Mail. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
1: And we're back on The Middle Unplugged. And each week on The Middle Unplugged, we like to go to the mailbag. People have a way to write us at wienerwabc at gmail.com. Sometimes they tweet message at us at, at repwiener on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Anthony D. Wiener, I think, is the, the Facebook page. And this week comes a Facebook message. Angie of each Rockaway writes, Please, Congressman, please vote to investigate TV for taking Newsmax off the air while keeping 22 liberal stations on. Okay, well, first, Ann, thank you for that. I am not a member of Congress any longer. I guess you knew that. I actually haven't been paying an enormous amount of attention to this Newsmax conflict, and maybe you haven't either. If you listen to podcasts or if you listen to the radio, it's not really a radio issue, but it has kind of leaked over from the conservative shouting stratosphere. So the issue, broadly speaking, is that Newsmax provides content, and DirecTV, which is a subsidiary, is owned by AT&T. They are a carrier of content. Broadly speaking, these two companies can't come to an agreement on whether or not or how much they'll be paid to carry the content, so AT&T is taking them off the air. this That's, broadly speaking, what is. And so it's completely obvious to me why Republican politicians are making a big deal about it because it's the easiest thing to make a big deal about. You're sucking up to this carrier— of content, which means you're someone you want to be, You know, if you're a congressman, you want to be on Newsmax and you want a Newsmax to be carried in your district so they can see you. And so getting upset that Newsmax is being taken advantage of by the big bag AT&T or DirecTV, it's fairly obvious why they're getting excited. So that part is easy to understand. The rest of it is fairly nuanced. Look, what it comes down to is these are two private companies in a private business contractual relationship that is not uncommon. And what has changed over time, is my understanding, is that fewer people are watching things like TV, things like cable TV. There's a lot more cable cutting going on, and people have a lot more ways to get content than they used to before. Now, this notion that they're low-rated liberal news outlets that are getting paid, well, First, I took a look at some of the lists. Some of the lists are not – some of it's like Comedy Central, the Weather Channel. I don't think those are liberal, <laughs> liberal places. But what it comes down to is DirecTV has to decide what its declining viewer base wants to see and whether it's valuable to them to pay those services to be on the air or not. I remember back in the day, like, if cable companies absolutely needed to have ESPN on the air, as a result, ESPN could charge, like, 5 $6 a subscriber – And cable companies had to pay it. Then, as as cord cutting started happening, now ESPN is having trouble getting carried places, and they've had their own thing that that is going around cable TV, ESPN Plus, and other things like that. So, long story short, it's a contractual thing; it's a contract dispute, basically. And we see it in other places. Sometimes you'll see carriers of sports teams get dropped from the local cable companies that those sports teams play in, and we see this huge controversy. Who do you blame? Well, the fact is it's usually built millionaires fighting other millionaires over these things. And the other problem that we have now is there are frequently free I don't even know what they're called. Free places to be able to get to be able to get this programming. Places like Roku and and other places wind up creating dynamics that you can kind of go around. You don't need to have a cable company. And what they do is they put the programming on and then have ads that they sell around them. Newsmax is one of these. You can go to a place called, you know, like Roku and Fire TV and these other places, and you can get this programming. Long story short, as a philosophical matter, I'm surprised these Republicans don't see the contradiction in being free marketeers and saying government is, government is too big and it's getting in the way of business, be doing business. And then they want to step in and hold hearings on two businesses fighting with each other. It just goes to show you that there is a fairly slippery line. There's not strong ideological and philosophical lines when it comes to being a politician in Washington nowadays. I don't really have a dog in this fight. I would like to see conservative media, liberal media, be available to as many people as possible. I don't see a danger in that. I think that the marketplace of ideas can tolerate wackadoo right-wing and left-wing media. Um, I don't think it's any obligation of a company to carry a program that they don't think is profitable. I don't think it's like that. We had something called the Fairness Doctrine that used to be back in the day that Republicans helped get rid of to basically say, you've got to put both sides on the air. It was Republicans under Ronald Reagan who got rid of that. Well... Now that's coming back to roost. Now there's no requirement that you do that. And it never was on cable anyway, to be honest. there's only over-the-air broadcast. But if we want to have that type of standard, that's big government. And I hope the folks at Newsmax remember that. So to Angie of East Rockaway, I'm with you. I hope they put them back on the air. But I don't think that Congress or taxpayers should use the force of government to force them to be on the air. And I do think it's... Somewhat ironic that at the same time you're complaining about about big government, many of these same members of Congress want to get government in the business of mediating business disputes. So that's my answer to that. If you'd like to participate in the show in the future, you, like I said, there are many ways to reach me. I also encourage you to let people know if you like this podcast, let them know about it. That's the way that more people get introduced to it. You can Some podcasts let you rate it. Some podcasts let you leave comments. Please encourage you to do that as well. And also, tune in for The Middle, the podcast and radio show that I do at 2 o'clock on Saturdays and Left versus Right with Curtis Leo. All of these are available anywhere that you guys podcast through the podcast, the Red Apple Podcast Network. I really do appreciate all your support. We look forward to seeing you next week. And this is the end of The Middle Unplugged.